0: Stick around to the end of the show in about 20 minutes and I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing marketing podcasts. Let's go.
1: Hello and welcome to the Leverage to Scale podcast. I am your host, Katie, and I'm here with Moshe. Moshe, can you tell us who you are, what you do, and what your business is?
2: Sure. Uh, What I stand for in my work is improving business with the power of love. I've come to that over about a 30 year career as a consultant. I founded a firm called Research Works, which does research, develops strategy and communications for organizations wanting to innovate better, to sell more, and so on, mostly in the space of health, but not exclusively. And along the way, I realized fundamentally business was missing love. And I'm not talking about anything romantic, I'm talking about love as simply energy that uplifts and connects. So, over the years, I've shifted to where now my main focus is advising business leaders on how to put love to work as a different way to
1: prosper. Wow, I think that's really cool. And I think it's something that most people don't think about. And, you know, I think when someone hears love, they think just romance. And, you know, it's more than that.
2: It, it, it is. And I call it Amari. I wrote a book right here called The Amari Wave. Amari is Latin for love. And, um, And partly, partly I called it that because I don't want people to get hung up on the word love. People can call it grilled cheese. I don't really care. What matters is they practice it and and there's a framework for doing that. And we see examples all around us of companies that have scaled extremely effectively over the years, like Trader Joe's grocery store and USA, the financial institution and Costco and, and, and many others that, um, Fundamentally, have happier people, more loyal customers, and make a lot more money than competitors.
1: Right. So, what's the reason that you started this business in the first place and wanted to implement this into this? Well, er-
2: early in my career, well, I'll back up a little bit. In my career, I, I kept going back to school. I got two master's degree. I got a PhD in communication from Stanford along the way. And what kept me going back to school was frustration. That was a driving force early in my career. Like, there's got to be a better way. And I was working in healthcare, and we'd have these great programs that nobody would show up to. And I thought, what's this about? Like, wellness programs, stop smoking programs, and so on. And so I started to study marketing, more seat of the pants, and learn about marketing research. Well, we can ask people what they want, what they think, and... What, what products and services they, they would buy to improve their lives. So I went on that path of learning, asking questions and learning and learning, and it was continually guided by frustration there's gotta be a better way. If McDonald's can bring us to tears over a hamburger and RJ Reynolds can get us to pay money for cigarettes, how can we not do better in health that is inherently good for people? So that frustration was the driving force in my career, and over the years, it gradually morphed into um, seeing the, the challenges a lot of people had, whether they were startups or I think a lot of the business leaders you spoke to are next stage, really stepping into significant, maybe exponential growth, and how to do that without getting totally worn out and, and in that space of thinking, there's got to be more than this. I'm working 16 hours a day, I come home exhausted, and then I go back. It's just a grind. And part of that is because we lose sight of why we're in business. In my view, no business exists to make money. That's a byproduct of business, it's an important, critically important byproduct. As one person said, no margin, no mission. Um, but no one starts a business simply to make money. It's always there's some problem to solve, something to make better. So that's, that's kind of been my path. And I've learned so much from clients over the years of from seeing their suffering and them being worn out and saying there's got to be a better way. There's more to business than just grinding it out. And I think that's the key to scaling effectively for the long
1: haul. Right. Yeah. I'm- Yeah, it's really interesting hearing your story and like how you've grown. And my question is, it sounds like you've been in business for a while, doing this for other businesses. How do you stay motivated to keep going and keep doing it?
2: Well, a few different ways. One is seeing the results, seeing in clients. So, for example, one client I'm working with now, medical technology company, um, small, about 40, 50 people, and really committed to being their best. They're passionate about what they do, but they knew we can do better. There's more to this. We want to bring out the best in everybody. And witnessing that happen and advising them along the way to help them get on the, on the path and put the golden rule to work and, and em, employ some of the principles I talk about in my book, it's really gratifying to see the growth and the happiness that results. So that keeps me going. Then I have my own practice, a spiritual practice of meditating. I live in San Diego. I'm fortunate to go on the beach a lot. So being in nature, think meditating, things like that keep me grounded.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, so now I have to ask about kind of not the fun stuff and not the, you know, nice stuff. Has there been any hard moments in growing your business?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. There's been several for many years. It was roller coastery income wise where you'd make a lot of money some years and then some years very little and had to run through a period of layoffs earlier on with my company and uh, so yeah there are some tough times one of the, one mistake I made along the way that caused a lot of hardship was I have a penchant for things that are new for solving new problems and stepping in saying this is really complex that's where we tend to do best solving complex issues and figuring it out so for example we were working with a hospital system in southern california that was required to do community needs assessments as part of their charter it was a senate bill that required it and and it took a while to figure out and get it right and we really nailed it it was really good but then instead of realizing hey there's 5,000 more hospitals in this country and a whole bunch of them need to do this it was on to the next challenge so rather than scale by growing what we did well it was growing which by taking on new challenge and every, every first takes extra effort. So it was gratifying in terms of it allowed me to put my skills to work in terms of uncharted waters, but it was not fulfilling in terms of growing the business effectively because it overlooked the equity we built by doing certain things. So that was one, one lesson, a second one. And it's a, it's a really tough one, especially in this culture, the idea of being attached to outcomes. So I know you know well, Katie, that we're all told management by objectives and what are the goals and and we measure success by did we hit our numbers and sell enough product and so on. And those are all important, but it leads to this idea of attachment where one's self-worth is tied inextricably to to achieving the goal. And then what happens is once that goal is achieved, if the goal is achieved, it's, yay, I'm worthy, I'm good, maybe I'll get a raise or, or uh, other, other rewards, but then there's unhappiness until the next goal is achieved. So it's the cycle of continually, um, seeking and, and kind of grasping. There's this energy of grasping. I got to do this or everything's going to fall apart. I got to achieve this or I'm no good. And I learned from, um, it was an ancient text called the Bhagavad Gita. It's about 2000 years old. And a it's a beautiful book. Uh, that has a lot of relevance to business i hope it replaces the art of war as kind of a classic business text because um, fundamentally it's about the battles in people's minds and how we push ourselves we get so attached to the outcomes that we for we lose ourselves and don't do our best work because if all i care about is the outcome i'm not focused on the doing i'm not fully present or in that zone so that was another lesson i learned when i was growing my company for sale and recognizing to hit my numbers and have the right valuation. I need to double every 18 months. And that, that was all I could see and it blinded me to other things that were going on. Does this make sense? Is it fulfilling a meaningful need? Does it make best use of me and my team? And I became very rigid and tight and it was not our best time. Mm. Um, when I recognized that that wasn't the right path and could step back and surrender a little bit, things got much better.
1: Great. Yeah. And in talking about, you know, recognizing problems, reevaluating, pivoting, fixing things, maybe letting go of some responsibilities or adjusting how your mindset is, the past year has been kind of interesting for a lot of us. How has that this past year been for you in terms of business growth wise? And is there anything you would have redone?
2: Well, I assume you're talking about with COVID and this whole pandemic, right? Yeah. yeah. It's been, you know, people use a lot of words. You recall an interesting time. Some people call it crazy. Some people call it scary. I was listening to a concert by a musician I like a lot named Michael Franti, and he was saying, there's all these words for this time. I think we should call it an important time because it's calling in change. And as I see it, and this might sound woo-woo to some people, but- I am in California and it's how I roll is um, the idea that the life is giving us this message as we got to shift. What we're doing is not sustainable, including in business, this fighting energy where we treat business like war and to crush the competition and to capture customers, this predatory notion that we dominate and subdue our customers. We eviscerate our competition rather than respect them. and, and, this pandemic to me is, is more than anything else a wake-up call where we can look deeply into how we operate and we can make changes. Some we're forced to, to make and some we can choose to make, but we all have the option of saying, here's what I'm going to keep. So, For example, a lot of business leaders are recognizing their employees in different ways and saying they do have lives and they do matter and they put forward great effort. And I never appreciated them. I treated them as replaceable assets and um and so that's shifting so now the opportunity is for business leaders and entrepreneurs to say i want to keep this change i want to be clearer about my purpose why we exist why i started this and why i'm staying with it it's not only about money and i want to keep that purpose that higher purpose in mind I want to keep treating people well in this notion of collaboration that we're seeing. For example, in the pursuit of a vaccine, we have unprecedented collaboration among people who never talked to each other before. So it's keeping that. That's the opportunity I see. Would I do anything different? It might, it might be just more of the same, the outreach of a newsletter your listeners can get if they want it's called the amari wave wednesday the idea of putting the power of love to work do one thing on wednesday we have we have um cyber cyber monday we have black friday we have these days to go to shopping let's choose a day in the work week to commit to improving business by putting love to work so those are the opportunities i see emerging from the wake-up call that is this pandemic
1: yeah I I agree with you. I think um, it has, kind of, this time has fostered a lot of change in how we do things, and I think we're looking at more quality than quantity, more qualifiable work than quantitative work. You know, where do you see your business? Because now we're talking about you know, kind of holding onto this change that's happened and keeping this important time. Where do you see your business going in the next three to five years?
2: Well, I see it scaling significantly. So it's taking what I had, this consulting firm that'd been a going concern for more than twenty-five years, and pivoting to where now my work is primarily on again helping helping business leaders and entrepreneurs in this what I call the Amare wave. Amare, as I mentioned, is Latin for love. And this idea of, of putting that energy to work as a better way to succeed without getting so worn out. So I see more advising and consulting and speaking coming out of it. And I've already been on this path. And there's a lot of others who are doing this kind of work. So pulling them together so we have a whole community that can support businesses, and particularly profit-driven businesses and young businesses. I think, I'm guessing your generation, don't know for sure, but millennials are the group perhaps most amenable to this because there's this inherent notion of we want to balance in life we're not going to kill ourselves working constantly in a company we don't believe in i want i want this i want this life to matter i have this one go round that i know of <laughs> i want it to matter so it's reaching build, building this wave that's why i called the book the amari wave there's a lot of organizations doing this it's shining a light on them i'm working on a second book featuring stories of people who do this called inspired stories of leading with love so it's growing this movement through consulting and speaking and, and bringing other people on who, as through training and other, other means who can carry this word forward. So it's a little bit, I wouldn't call it a religion by any means, but it has that notion of there's a powerful belief system, powerful aspiration, and a big vision to this. And so the next three to five years for me is making that happen as best I can.
1: Right. Um, one of my final questions for you, because we're running out of time, unfortunately, these 20 minutes go by real fast. Yeah. Um, is what does success look like for you in 2021? And what are your goals in this come, upcoming year?
2: Well, success looks like the smile on the face of my clients when they do this work and they feel more relaxed and in their own skin and they're making more money. So it's their improvement in financial, financial performance, personal happiness, relationships, workforce, and so on. That's a main metric of success. It translates into money I make, and, and I get paid very well for my work and work on what I call results-based approach. So get paid for results rather than time and effort. That creates accountability all the way around. And then more visibility, That's another metric through, again, speaking and other means to spread this word. So those are some of the metrics I use.
1: Awesome. So my final question for you, Moshi, is what can our community do to help you reach those goals?
2: That's a beautiful question. Thank you. I'm usually on the asking side of that question. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's nice to receive it. There's a couple of things. One is if people are interested in, in learning more about this Amari, this love-based approach and how it helps businesses do better, then get my book. It's called the Amari Wave. It's on Amazon. Amari is spelled A-M-A-R-E. The Amari Wave, it's on Amazon. You can come to my website, which is my name, Moshe Engelberg.com, M-O-S-H-E-E-N-G-E-L-B-E-R-G. Moshe Engelberg.com. You can also reach out to me by email, Moshe. M-O-S-H-E at the wavecom and schedule a 15, 20 minute session, no charge, no expectation As whoever will reach out. I will support in exploring this idea and helping them find one thing they can do, even in a 15 minute call, one thing they can do to improve business with the power of love. So those are some things and spreading the word, telling others about this stuff. Listen to this episode of your show and, um, Spread the word. We need more of this.
1: Yes, we do. Thank you again, Moshe. This was a wonderful interview and it was wonderful chatting with you about what you do and your work. Um, Thank you so much for being on the show.
2: It was my pleasure, Katie. Appreciate the opportunity.
0: Much for listening to the Leverage to Scale show. If you are a purpose driven business owner or professional who would like to have a global impact by being interviewed on our show, please visit leveragetoscale.com forward slash guest.